Amen. The kids are dismissed at this time for kids' praise. Have fun. And we'll see you in an hour and a half. I'm just kidding. Um, hey, uh, we're continuing our sermon series on Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and today the sermon is entitled, To Shine or Not to Shine? That is the question. Um, it's football season already. Um, there was already a game played last week, Cleveland against whoever, Detroit or whoever they played. I didn't see it, but uh, it reminded me of college football coming, which is exciting as well. And uh, this is Tim Tebow. You know, he's playing in Florida there. Uh, and he became known for the T-bow, for bowing his knee, you know, on the sidelines or in the end zone after before games or after he scored or whatnot, giving glory to God. And then he'd also wear under his eyes Bible verses, like you see there, Ephesians 2, but or John 3.16, and there were people who thought it was very appropriate to do that because it gave glory to God. Other people thought it was not appropriate at all. So it was debatable, and he got very much criticized as a football player. Why? Why did he choose to do this? Well, because as we noted uh, a few weeks ago in Matthew 5, uh, you are the light of the world, Jesus said. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Don't hide it under a bushel then. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But then we come to Matthew 6 this morning. Matthew 6, 1 through 4, where Jesus said, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret, may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So if we are to let our lights shine for all to see, then why did Jesus talk about Matthew 6? Namely, that we should be sure to do our good deeds of giving or praying in secret. Seems contradictory. Is it ever appropriate, for example, to share your testimony publicly about what God is doing in you and through you? I remember doing that, especially as a young believer, going to youth group and where I was a youth counselor, youth sponsor, and saying, man, I picked up this hitchhiker, and you can't believe what happened, and ah, and I was so excited, but is it appropriate? Or should we testify how God has blessed us after we decided that we are going to give a tithe to the church? We're going to increase it to 10%, maybe even, and the more I increased it, the Lord blessed me and my family, and, and is that appropriate? Is it appropriate to report on our church offerings at our annual meetings and how they're being utilized for the kingdom, for ministry, and for mission? Is it appropriate that our church was recognized and that I should recognize this morning that our church was recognized by the McPherson Fire Department because we gave a generous gift for them to be able to build a safe haven baby box, and we were even featured on cake news where I got like a nanosecond of time in my office and wouldn't it be helpful also to have like a huge billboard on our church property right out on our church grounds here with the 
the smiling face of the senior pastor welcoming everyone to come in. Would that not be helpful? No, it wouldn't be helpful. So what's the difference, though, between chapter 5 and chapter 6, then? Well, the difference is simply the heart motive. What's the heart motive? Our motive for sharing in chapter 5 is done for the glory of God. And in chapter 6, it's for the glory and recognition of self. Are my works for the Lord's glory, or are they for vain glory, for my own glory? Jesus addresses the heart motives throughout the Sermon on the Mount, 5, five through 7 in chapters. He, he, he's always directing, you know, okay, you do that on the outside, that's great, but what is your heart like over and over again? And here, this is no different. You see, the Pharisees and the other religious people in those days, they apparently loved for others to recognize their good works, that they would gain a reverence and a respect from others, and that they would be admired. Now, it's difficult, though, and we'll come to this in chapter 7, it's difficult for us to judge another's motives. We can judge external behavior, but, you know, two people could look identical in, in what, what they're doing for the Lord, and one's motives could be right and one's could be wrong. And we can't judge, and therefore Jesus said, don't judge, because in the same manner that you judge others, you will be judged, because we don't really know what people's motives are. In fact, we don't even know half the time what our motives are. They're mixed. <clears throat> Brandon Manning says this about all humans. He said, when I get honest... I admit I'm a bundle of paradoxes. I believe and I doubt. I hope and I get discouraged. I love and I hate. I feel bad about feeling good. I feel guilty about not feeling guilty. I'm trusting and suspicious. I'm honest and I still play games. We're we're a paradox. We can't even know our own motives a lot of times. But we need to intentionally and prayerfully Ask the Spirit of God to reveal what our motives are. It has to be an intentional activity, this discernment process, because it can be really tricky. It can especially be tricky for teachers and for preachers uh, who do this for a living um, to discern why they're saying what they say, to discern how they're doing so, so as to not hog attention to themselves. Did you hear my message? I had put it online for everyone to hear. You know, it could be really tricky. And if we give a bad message, we could get really depressed and have a really bad Monday. Why? Because our mixed motives. So to be safe, I strive to emulate the Apostle Paul, who said in 2 Corinthians 12, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And we do this, and Pastor Jeremy does it all the time, too. And I appreciate that about Pastor Jeremy. But even then, I could be proud about how, I, how weak I am. Look at how weak I am. Just look at how humble I am. I am perhaps the most humble guy that I, I have met in years. And I have, I want you to notice how God's power rests on me when I'm such, so humble and when I am so weak in and of myself. Did you notice God's power, you know, And so once again, we can even be proud about our humility. So how can we determine that our ministry motives are appropriate or if they're not? 
My friend, Pastor Steve Hickey from South Dakota, covenant pastor, wrote a commentary, and, and he came up with two principles. First one is, show what you're tempted to hide. That would be Matthew 5. And then the second principle is, hide when you're tempted to show. That would be Matthew 6. So we'll start. That's the outline. Show when you're tempted to hide. Sometimes we want to withhold shining the light for Christ. We want to hide our lights under a bushel because we have fear, fear of rejection, or because uh, we are lazy or we're selfish, and we just don't feel like going out and helping widows chop up and load, chop up their fallen tree because Sunday afternoon and there's you know field hockey on that I have to watch or whatever you know. Paul instructed young Timothy though in Second Timothy, for the Spirit of God gave us uh, gave, uh, for the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self discipline. In other words, Timothy. Let your love shine. Let your light for Christ shine, Timothy. Don't be fearful. Matthew 5, he said, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Put it on a stand. What is our stand in society? Our stand is our office, our workplace. It is our, where we work in the factory. It is perhaps our seat in government. Perhaps it's when we're playing on the field or on the court. Perhaps it's when we're in the stands as a parent. That is our stand. Or, or perhaps it's when we're driving and that, that brother in Christ cuts you off. Or perhaps it's when you're standing in a long line at a convenience store to get a doc, Diet Dr. Pepper and they're taking way too long, that is our stand. Perhaps it's our cranky neighbor we live next to. Our stand is wherever God places us. Let your light shine. And our good deeds may often um, bring ridicule, rejection, and persecution, especially when people disagree with us. God strategically places us in places that are dark, though, so that the light will shine even brighter. He puts us on dark landings in the world. Um, and therefore, there's much more potential for opposition and disagreement and, and conflict. In fact, in other countries, even today, people are being pulled out of their homes saying, deny Jesus Christ or you're going to prison. It's your choice. Deny Jesus Christ, or we're going to take your kids and your wife away, or, or whatever. It's your choice. If you deny him, then you're free, and you'll be live in peace. Likewise, if we're to love the marginalized in our town today, for example, it may be met with some vocal opposition. Do not encourage people like that to settle in McPherson. You know, it'll be a dangerous place then. You know, uh, whatever. You know, and, and so our deeds can also encourage and embolden others to share the truth in the face of opposition by our bold example. For example, amidst opposition, the church exploded, the early church because they were caring for the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the, the outcasts, the, the people who 
People would have rather had leave their communities. You know, the Christians embraced them and welcomed them, and as a result, the church exploded. But as a result, opposition grew as well. I remember a time in college when I was with friends in a in a room and we were just talking about a group of other guys behind their back and we were making fun of them and laughing about them um, at their expense we were basically slandering and gossiping and I remember my roommate coming in George he came in hey what do you guys talking and he just stood there he's just listening and then he got really serious and then he folded his arms and then he kind of shook his hand and gave it <laughs> and then he just turned and walked out of the room and, and I remember how awkward that made us feel because we knew exactly what happened what an idiot what a fuddy-duddy we were angry at first and then it turned to conviction so much so that I remember like it today like it was yesterday the Holy Spirit convicted me no you are the one sinning you are the one slandering and cutting others down and George your roommate he let his light shine Yes, it brought opposition, it brought awkwardness and tension, but his light was shining. When we let our light shine, it may result in being misunderstood. It may result in experiencing opposition and rejection and loss of social status and exclusion, especially middle schoolers, you know, when they go to public middle schools and there's beer blasts on the weekend or, or early high school and and. I remember well, because I'm a Christian kid, I'm not invited to any of these parties. And I remember them walking down my, my street laughing and cheering and having fun because the party's two houses down, but I'm not invited to that. And even more so today, because everything is posted on social media with pictures, and you're at home sitting alone, rejected. We need to um, show when we're tempted to hide. And that will bring, ultimately, glory to God. But the second principle is we need to hide when we're tempted to show in Matthew 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Matthew 6, 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Flashlights are meant to, uh, I don't know if this illustration will work, but it, flashlights are meant to give direction and, and expose things and, and help protect you and whatnot. But flashlights are not meant to, look at me. Look at me, everybody, to shine in our eyes and our faces. Unless you're like on a stage preaching or an actor on a stage or whatever. But um, flashlights are typically and primarily used uh, to expose things and also to give direction and guidance. Uh, like in, if you're in a car at night and, and the other oncoming car fails to dim their bright lights, then it will temporarily blind us and disorient us. It will, lights shining in our faces will do the exact opposite of what they, they're typically meant to do. Well, King Solomon began his reign 
as a very humble person whose light was directed to God. He wanted to honor God and everything. And as a result, God said, hey, I, I love your heart. I'm going to bless you with wisdom. You're going to be the wisest king, most successful king for my glory. And, he, and God gave King Solomon these three instructions at the beginning of his reign in Deuteronomy 17. The king must not acquire great numbers of horses. Verse 17, he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver or gold. And you know the story. After some years of his reign, and he was incredibly successful and wise, Solomon's success got to his head and he broke all three of these commands in spades because he was pursuing his own vain glory. And King Humpty Dumpty had a great and devastating fall. Which, which affected the entire kingdom. Proverbs 11:2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but humility comes, with humility comes wisdom. 16:18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. I remember hearing a story of the church, a church that went out on the city streets of, say, Chicago, and they were handing out things like socks and, and cookies and um, uh, toiletries, and, and they were just, it could have been around the Christmas season, I think I remember, and, and they were doing this, and they were singing Christmas carols, too, and, and they were having this amazing ministry, and this one homeless guy came up to one of the leaders of the ministry team, and he grabbed the present, he opened it, he looked at it, and and then he got a cookie, he looked at it, and he just started complaining. He turned and just walked away. And he didn't say thank you. Can you believe he didn't say thank you? We're out here serving. We're out here giving. We're freezing. We're singing. We're trying to encourage you. And you don't say thank you. And, and, and you don't have the decency to be grateful. And then he heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Who is it exactly you're here serving tonight? For what reason are you serving them? Is it to get thank yous, to get attaboys and, and that of girls? Apostle Paul says, whatever we do in word and deed, do it all for the glory of God. And we may not get attaboys. Um, for example, when we're in the workplace and we have a, a boss who's unfair, unjust, or we have to deal with grumpy restaurant server, servers or attendants, who are, don't measure up or whatever, or critical people, then how do we respond? And God will, God will whisper in our ear, who are you serving? For what reason are you serving? Because we're told, you know what? Serve your bosses as if you're serving the Lord, as though you're serving him, because that ultimately is who you're serving. But our self-directed pride can get in the way. We need to hide when we're tempted to show. And then just one more point here before I conclude is we're told that if we have that attitude, hard attitude, then we will lose our reward. Or at least our reward will be very temporary. Verse 1 again. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received a reward in full. Their good deeds of giving to the poor 
They were going to be announced with trumpets of celebration. Here we are. Here we are to save the day. Here's your cookie. Here's your socks. We're here to encourage you. We're here to bless you. And if your reward is to get a thank you, then that will be your reward, and it will stop there. Millie Vanilli received great accolades for their music in 1990. In fact, they won the Grammy Award for the Best New Artist of the Year, And they were on top of the world, that is, until it was discovered that they lip-synced all their songs and they weren't really their songs. And the Grammy, therefore, was taken back and they lost their reward. They were on the top of the music industry hill for some months, but then they lost their reward. They got their reward temporarily. Lance Armstrong, one of the best bike racers in the world, stood on top of the cycling world and in uh, some years in a row, seven consecutive Tour de France titles went to this rider, Lance Armstrong, along with an Olympic medal. But then it was discovered that he was using performance-enhancing drugs, and therefore he was stripped of his titles and medals. He lost his reward. But prior to losing his reward, we had posters of him on our bedroom walls because he was our hero. He certainly got his reward, but then it didn't continue. It was very temporary. As Christians, we can make our way to the top of the spiritual heap in our churches, in our families, in our cities, even in our denomination, and maybe even in the world. You know, uh, 20 of us from our church just went to the Global Leadership Summit. And to get on the, the Leadership Summit at Willow Creek in Chicago, man, I can't believe I'm here talking before all you leaders all around the world. That could be success. But if that is your ultimate goal, then that will be your reward, speaking on that stage, and it will end there. On the other hand, if our motives are to glorify God and make him known, rather than gain honor and respect for ourselves, then our rewards will be eternal. It says this in 1 Corinthians 3, Uh, about the loss of reward. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, what I do, I do for his glory. He's my foundation. If anyone builds on this foundation for God's glory using gold, silver, and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up like the wood, hay, and straw, then the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. In other words, we won't lose our eternal life. We'll simply lose our eternal reward, whatever that means. There will even be those on earth who play the part, the Christian part, the spiritual part of a servant, and and they do so perfectly well on earth without ever surrendering their lives to Christ. They know the game. They were raised in the church, yet they don't have a relationship with Christ. And Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, on that day will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. So when we're tempted to tell others the great things we've done in order to receive honor and attention, then we'll receive our temporary accolades, but that will be our reward. 
and then it'll be over. And Jesus said, what good is it if you gain the whole world and all the attention and all the fame and glory, but if you sacrifice your soul, what good is it? But if our desire is to glorify God in that self, in all that we say and do, then we're promised by God a reward for eternity. In Matthew 6, 3, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will, once again, reward you. When we think of rewards in heaven, I'm not sure what that looks like. I think what it means is, this is just my own personal thought and opinion, and I guess I've read it too, but um, I think it means that the gifts and the passions and things that bring us joy on earth, we're being prepared to do that exact thing for all eternity, to serve others and serve God. So we're going to be who we are in, in heaven, in God's kingdom forever. But we'll do so perfectly for his glory, not for our own personal glory. And I think if we're faithful in small, then we'll be faithful in much. And so on earth, you know, the training ground, the testing ground, the the time of preparation when we're faithful in what we, we are doing for Christ on earth we'll be given greater responsibility in heaven but if we're not faithful with the gifts he's given to us then we'll be given much less in heaven as far as responsibility but the day of reward may not transpire the way we might envision it I want to read from the great divorce, C.S. Lewis. He takes us to the suburbs of heaven, and there's a narrator and a guide, and there's a chance to observe what we'll experience when we graduate into heaven. And at one point, there's this procession, this parade coming down the street, marked with dancing light and scattering flowers and joyful musicians. And there's a special lady who's approaching, and the narrator is overcome by the unbearable beauty of her face. And he says, is it? Could it be? Is it? Perhaps thinking he's experiencing the incredible privilege of seeing the Lord's own mother coming down in the procession. And the guide says, no, this is someone that you've never heard of. She went on earth by the name of Sarah Smith. Well, is she a a person of particular importance then? Aye, continues the guide. She is one of the great ones. If she's one of the great ones, why hasn't the narrator ever heard of her, Sarah Smith? Because fame in this country and fame on earth are two different things. And then she's surrounded by all these young children, sons and daughters they look like, but they're actually not her children because every young uh, man or boy who ever met her became her son when she was on earth, even if it was only the boy who delivered meat to the back door. And every girl who ever met her became her daughter as she loved them. And there was also a menagerie of animals, of cats and dogs and horses and birds accompanying her because every beast that came near her had a place of her love. In her presence, such creatures became themselves. You see, C.S. Lewis intends to remind us that Sarah Smith was really nobody on this earth. She received no accolades, 
She had no articles written about her. She never made it on cake news. She, had, she bore no titles. Her picture never appeared on a magazine. But she was one of God's great ones because fame in heaven and fame on earth are two different things. Jesus put it this way. So the last will be first and the first will be last. He also said, I tell you the truth, anyone who gives even a cup of cold water in my name because this little one belongs to Christ will certainly not lose our reward. So the question this morning we asked is to shine or not to shine? That is the question. Answer is it all depends. It depends on our heart motives. We can look forward to an eternal reward from our Savior if we discern our heart motives and obey these two principles, namely to show when we're tempted to hide, be faithful, to shine our light, and to hide when we're tempted to show, put aside our pride and our own vainglory and arrogance. Let's pray. And so, Lord Jesus, as we now come to the communion table, um, just to honor you and also to do some self-reflection as to what our, the motives of our hearts are this morning, I pray, Lord, that you continue to speak to us, continue to make us who you want us to be. Fashion us into your image, Lord, that we may have truly heart motives that want to glorify your name, I pray. Amen.